I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the UK Film Review podcast. Uh, your host tonight is uh, Robert State, and uh, I'm joined by Jason. Hello, Robert. Good to be here. Mm-hmm. Good to be here too, because we are going to be discussing the uh, Scream franchise, uh, the uh, four films that were released uh, between 1996 and 2011 um, in time for the uh, next scream uh scream five or just scream as it's called that's coming out uh next week or technically this week you know it'll be this week when you're listening to it uh anyway so yeah yeah this is like it's funny it's it's one of the most like influential and discussed and important horror franchises in like movie history practically but what's interesting is that on a personal level um i didn't get into these movies until recently like i knew of them I knew of a lot of famous aspects about them, but you know, it wasn't until recently that I like actually watched all of them. And uh, I have to say, I became a really big fan. Um, starting with the first film, you know, I absolutely loved it. And then I watched the sequels, and I was um, I was really impressed at like how they furthered the story, continued it, um, added more things, uh, did a lot of stuff. So, yeah, how how would you say that you got into the Scream franchise, Jason? Well. Uh... I want when I watched the first one I'd say you know it, I saw, I saw it was quite uh quite different from most horror from other horror films you know it revived the slasher film genre you know I liked the way it combined um violence with with hum with dark humor and uh and mystery yes I thought it was I thought it was a pretty intelligent the way they did that because uh screen films you know the kind of you know, they use uh, the conventional slasher slasher methods, don't they, from films, from slasher films. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree. And, and and how did you and did you like get into the sequels as well? Yep, I sure did. I, I thought the, you know, the second one was pretty cool. The third one was so and so, in my opinion. I didn't think it had much to say. I thought it was rather similar. But I think the fourth one was much better. That's my opinion. Okay, great, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, simple summaries. Um, yeah, to to give similar ones. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, uh, I, yeah, I loved uh, Scream One. Uh, was was really impressed by uh, Scream Two uh, for a sequel that was like just made in kind of a quick fashion. It was it was actually in some ways like better than the first one in a few areas and um uh, uh the third one i do agree is the weakest but i still think it has a lot of good good in it and the fourth one i think is very underrated um so yeah to, but to go into it more directly i mean this came about like the the first scream was very much like the prototypical 90s film like when you watch it it just has its tongue firmly in the cheek of the 90s you know it's um the way it's shot uh, the teen-oriented feel of it, uh, the cast, um, it, just a lot of aspects really like grounded it heavily back in the '90s. But um, I think it's it's actually like aged quite well as a film. Um, I think, especially in regards to the fact that, um, like, decades afterwards, we do still have this obsession with like you know deconstruction and subversion. Uh, satire even parody you know and that's what um as partially what makes the first scream film still age well is that a lot of what it does a lot of it is probably the kind of thing that a movie today would do you know and you can even obviously see that in like the the sequels that were made afterwards but still did very similar things um i think socially there's actually quite a lot in it in, in the first one and in the sequels that um i think give it a sort of a connection to modern day. Uh, did you see, can, can, like, can you see any of that in um, the first film or the other films? Yeah, it does, because I think uh, it's because the killer imitates movies, you know, the, the killers imitate they imitate movies methods, and the characters in the films, they are aware of that, you know, they're constantly talking about films, and, you know, how the, they try to understand how the killers operate. I think that, mm-hmm. that has to do with real life. Mm-hmm. You no, know? yeah, that, yeah. The kind of the characters kind of react to the events like the viewers react, if you know what I mean, in a way. Yeah, 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 and yeah. Well, well, well. For me, I think um, uh, what it does well is that um, well, well, part of the reason why it has that connection to uh, today, just as well as like you know back when it was made, is because you know it's it is talking about how. Um, films interact with like reality and stuff and it even brings up um you know like the whole debate of like do movies influence like psychopaths or something and you know uh you kind of get different answers to it like at the end of scream you have that great line where billy loomis um who's uh obviously spoilers you know like who's revealed to be the film's ghost face basically the one what, what one of the ones behind the ghost face mask straight up says like you know movies don't make psychos movies just uh, makes psychos more creative or something like that like that that that's the line and then uh in scream 2 mickey's uh, like mickey the uh, second ghost face uh his whole motive is that he wants to like add to the whole like uh do movies like create violence debate you know by base by straight up saying like i'm gonna blame i'm gonna argue that the movies made me this way you know it's like you see uh, you see that aspect that, you know, I, I would say is still kind of in some ways current today um, 
in just in different formats, but it's still current. You know, you you have that element, but you also have you know other things like you have a, an interesting commentary on the media as well, which I think is also prevalent, like in all four films, uh, the media and fame, and the dark sides of both. Like, how would you say, like, uh, like, how did you view the fame angle? I mean, obviously you have Gail Weathers, one of the main reoccurring characters, who herself is, like, kind of a fame-hungry reporter. Uh, but you also have the fact that many of the ghost faces are kind of aware of how the outside world will view them and aware of, you know, the fame that will come from what they do. And sometimes they even want to make it seem like, you know, other people were the ghost faces when they themselves were. Um I kind of think it has an interesting, like, constant jab at the media, I feel, at how easily it can be manipulated and used for evil. Uh, would you agree? I guess I would. I mean, some of the ghost faces, their motive is, is to achieve infamy, to become notorious. Mm-hmm. Yes, they, they tend to, you know, use the media for that. And this, mm-hmm. is, this is going to blame it on the films. So, yes, I do see that connection, Robert. I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, but yeah. What's but what's most interesting, and and there are a lot of other like parallels as well. But like, but what's most interesting is um, also just how each of the films have such like uh, continuity about them. Because uh, personally, I think that horror movies are kind of famous for like um, really not not like paying a lot of attention to continuity like you look at how many franchises there are there's always like a remake that's been thrown in or there's always been a reboot or there's been sequels that ignore certain films uh stuff like that and scream i think is kind of unique in the sense that when you watch each of the films there's almost like one story being told i feel yeah like a long-running story it is, yes, but it has the same characters, doesn't it? Well, the four mm-hmm. films so far, and the fifth one, actually. Mm-hmm. And, you yeah. know, it is like a, like a one large, na- one long narrative. And, in, you know, interestingly, and the fifth film is actually just called Scream Again, which is, you know, a bit awkward. <laughs> we'll see how that works with it. Yeah, I know. Well, what I think it is, is that, like, because uh, Scream 4 was about remakes, um... Like, cause, I mean, Scream 2 was about sequels. Scream 3 was about, like, trilogy enders. Number 4 was about remakes. Uh, this newest one, I think, is going to be... And I, and I think I've even seen some people who have seen it in advance say this. I think it's going to be about, like, you know, um, like, sequels that ignore other entries, you know? Like, like you know how some recent ones, like Halloween or Candyman, you know, they've got the same name as the original film because they're saying that they're ignoring the other sequels and just are being a follow-up to that film. Um, not that this one is just a follow-up to Scream, but that's what I think it will be doing. So that's, that's that, I think, is why they employed it, you know, why they just, and why they took away number five. And also how many, I mean, you know, there are a lot of great films that have uh, the number five in the title, you know? It can sort of look a bit, um, I don't know, like tacky or like, you know, like you're a sequel that's like, you know, like, or, or like, or you're making like too many films or something like that, you know, like yeah, that, that, that's how sometimes people feel. Maybe it was an attempt to avoid that. I don't know. Um, but anyway, but the way I see it is that um, like, like, like number one, what? Yeah. I, uh, I really love how uh, the film kind of sets up each of its characters and then how the sequels kind of like change them across the films. Um, 
Like out of the main trio, who would you say is your favorite? I kind of like um, David Arquette's character because mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I find him funny. That's why mm-hmm. I find him yeah, entertaining. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Over, yeah, over all the films, Jimmy kind of evolves, doesn't he? Because um, he starts out as uh, as really, really like incompetent and not not that good at his job, um, like deliberately so, but in a kind of bumbling, nice guy way. And then uh, in as the films go on as well, I think he gets a lot more competent, um, especially by Scream 4. He's basically like the sheriff of uh, the Woodsboro town. So you kind of see, and you see it, you know, in number two, when he gets more involved in the investigation and, you know, number three, where he has a lot of, you know, like cool scenes where he's firing his gun and fighting and stuff. It's like he, he I, I feel like he definitely evolves over the films and, you know, you also have the romance between him and Gail as well that kind of um, shifts and changes too. Um, I think, but I think uh, Sydney, uh, basically the main character of the films, has probably the most um, like com- complicated and compelling journey. I feel. Yeah, from she she starts off as a victim and she becomes a heroine. You know, she fights back. I mean, mm-hmm. she kills quite a few of the ghost face characters, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think she basically kills all of them like i don't think <laughs> like in okay spoiler warning now okay yeah yeah well, why i gave it earlier so it's fine yeah uh yeah number i mean in scream 2 it was her and gail who shoot mickey twice um i think yeah 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 that was definitely when like mickey died and stuff and then yeah not yeah and yeah practically in all of them she's responsible in some way for the ghost face of that film dying uh, the only exception is maybe in a uh, number four, when uh, the second ghost face, uh, Rory Culkin, gets uh, stabbed by the main ghost face. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, yeah, she killed basically all of them, you know, and that's great. But what I love about, um, yeah, what I love about the first scream is that it gives us a really sympathetic, really likable uh, final girl in uh, Sydney Prescott, and we kind of, um, yeah, like you know, we, we we are seeing her in this like very terrible situation in the film kind of shows how much she's trying to deal with that uh her you know strained relationship with like billy um and how she's how she's feeling about it what she's experiencing and then at the end of the film once everything gets revealed she does actually manage to like turn the tables you know when she like that brilliant bit where she straight up calls them using the ghost face like voice changer and then even wears the ghost face mask as a way to like defeat them and stuff um it's great and then you do see her get more and more like proactive and uh tough over the over the uh three films like even in number four like she seems way more eager to like straight up fight ghostface than she did before yeah she certainly not she she just becomes a fighter you know ghostface beware Yeah, 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 and um, uh, what else? And, and you see other things too, like how, uh, like what I think the series does quite well is that it does sort of realistically present what situations like that would probably do to a person. Like um, in number two, she's still like dealing with like, you know, intimacy issues and trust issues. And, you know, you even see that with like her current boyfriend in that film. And then you see how um, in the third film, she's basically become like an isolated hermit and stuff. And then, um, thankfully, by the end of the third film, it seems like she's able to open up again and no longer be afraid. And then, you know, in the fourth one, you see her, like, become more of a public figure, but then that ends up kind of getting short, cut short a little bit. Um, 
you know so yeah 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 there, 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 there is that like story that you can see being told over the films um but anyway but to move on to them a bit more individually so yeah first scream film i think is an excellent movie i think it really i think it holds up really well uh, i think the opening scene is still really intense and terrifying and really um uh like the trick question in it is just brilliant i like i just think that as far as like a question like that goes it's like it's just set up for whoever's playing it to lose you know because the ghost face that's asking the Friday the 13th question can just cheat, you know, totally because of the wording of the question. Yeah, no, she asks, she asks, he, the ghost face asks her who, to name the killer of the Frightened the 13th, but he means the first film, but he doesn't specify that. So, you know, mm-hmm. it, uh, he tricks her to do for that. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, a, yeah, it's, yeah. It's a clever trick, you know, I must admit, you know, it's very devious, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, but if she had given the other answer, he could have said, no, I mean the series, you know, like, yeah, like he could have said, no, it's Jason. It's not Pamela Voorhees. Um, and yeah, I, I, yeah, I really, yeah, I love that stuff. And it was, yeah, it was so, um, it's uh, yeah, it's such a like powerful sequence, the music, the sound design, the way it's directed. It's definitely like, it was one of, is by far one of like Wes Craven's best scenes. Like if you were just to isolate that as just a sequence, it's one of Wes Craven's best like directorial hits, as far as I'm concerned, and um, yeah, and it. But the rest of the film, I still think, holds up really well. I still think that it's it's really well directed. He really understands the balance between humor, like kind of meta humor, and you know, um, like actual scares as well. Like it's not one of these films where you you you're sort of like watching it and it's serious, and all of a sudden there's like a really annoying comedy character that they've just thrown in in order to try and get laughs or or even one where they like try and force in laughs where it's not appropriate um they kind of have certain characters that are more funny than the other ones but they actually work really well um particularly you know like Stu. um like i think i think what makes him such a good like candidate for being the second ghost face is because he really just in no way is the kind of guy that you'd ever think would be a killer he just seems too like silly and out of it, you know. Yeah, uh, Stu is probably my favorite character in the first film. I know, mm-hmm. no, he's he, he, you know, Matthew Lillard delivers this over-the-top performance as a both a kind of a awkward, maybe crazy guy, and then a utterly deranged killer. I think he does that very well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Surprisingly so. Like I was watching it, and I was really like, what's impressive too is that. Um, he keeps a certain level of like consistency, but there's still also a change, you know, when he reveals his evil side and he's still kind of funny, but there's, he's also like totally crazy and disturbing. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. He does. Yeah. He does a really excellent job. And I think, but yeah, yeah, he works really well. Um, I think the script is also really um, unpredictable and smart because um, it takes like the first ghost face, uh, the, you know, Billy Loomis and it really, really heavily, heavily hints that he's the main killer. But there's also just enough doubt to make you think that maybe he's just a red herring, you know? And that's what um, I think makes him work so well as, like, an antagonist. Because, you know, the entire time, you're really not sure about him because he just doesn't seem to be trustworthy at all. But there's just enough, like, doubt that they throw in to make you go, uh, he, he could still be, you know... Like it, it, like he, 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 he could just be a red herring, you know. But he's not. But he's not a red herring. He is basically like the, like the killer. Like Stu's helping him, but he is the villain. 
And uh, I really love that about the first film. I really love how um, it, it's just very original. I just haven't seen like a slasher film so heavily signpost its villain like that. You know, well, as you said, all the evidence throughout the film points towards him, and mm-hmm. it kind of makes it too obvious that he is a killer. So, mm-hmm. as a viewer, you might suspect that he might not be. Actually, that would be too easy if it's mm-hmm. him. But it actually it, it is him. So the film is kind of saying, you know, trust your instincts in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you know, I think it says it says that stuff about you know, like you know, abusive boyfriends as well. It's kind of like you know, sometimes they are just hiding in plain sight. You know, and it kind of it gets you into that same mindset, even that same mindset that Sydney is in, because she is basically being, you know, gaslit and you know treated horribly by Billy the entire time, but she doesn't really know it, and you know he is lying to her. Obviously, he doesn't. He's not revealing to her that basically the entire time he's tra- he's killing people and he's going to kill her, and he just wants to you know have sex with her and stuff. And the entire thing was basically just a furthering of the revenge well kind of revenge that he inflicted upon her mother you know because of like the backstory of what happened and now his family like split up and stuff yeah that yeah that was a really really good um what was it like it, it it's kind of it's just like it's just really smart and that is something that the first film has really has quite a lot of just a lot of like smart uh like in- good execution of um already interesting ideas um yeah i really and you know I th- but I think the meta aspect of it is was also something that was maybe needed for horror movies at the time, especially slasher films. I think they sort of needed to be more aware of themselves, so therefore they could then advance, you know, and become a lot more intelligent and creative. Yeah, they do become more creative, and I think it the one of the best things about the, the first film is that there are, actually, there are actually two killers, and I think that got everybody by surprise, most people anyway. That there are actually two killers, not one. That's a, yeah. I think that was revol- revolutionary for a slasher film. Yeah, I think it was. And even like today, I've necessarily seen. I, I haven't seen loads of like movies and stuff. Like I've seen like somewhere maybe the killer will do a frame up job where they'll like put somebody else in the uh, costume. Um, but this one, it kind of it addressed. It also made it feel a lot more. It was not only original, but it also felt a lot more realistic because when you think about it as far as like the events in the film that are shown, they would really only make sense or at least like they would for the, like be believable if it was two people doing it, you know, if it was two people that was, were sharing the costume or had two different costumes. Um, I really think that uh, they, what they did was, but like by that, they managed to make you actually believed, believe that this stuff could happen, you know, that combined with the reference to other movies, I think made uh, Scream it be something that audiences could actually believe in, you know. Um, whereas before, like, by that point, I think a lot of slasher movies had basically descended into just being outright fantasy. So that was something that was really refreshing for its time. Many of the characters of Scream, in, in the Scream series, in the Scream franchise, are actually uh, movie fans themselves, and they... No, unlike the viewers, they understand how the horror movie, horror slasher films work, mm-hmm. and so and so do the killers. Actually, they too, they too are. Most of them, I think, are scream are uh, slasher f- horror fans, mm-hmm. and they and they try to use the uh, methods that are used in the films and make them into reality in a way. Yeah, I know. I mean, well, what I'd say is that. Um... 
like that like that 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 that, that's clearly prominent in the first ones and it's also prominent in like um a few of the other ones as well like um uh the fact that uh in the fourth one you know uh rory colkin he's the um uh he's he's kind of almost meant to be the randy of the um of the of this new generation you know and so it's kind of clever that like he's helping he's one of the villains basically because he's the guy who knows knows a lot of stuff about movies and um uh also what's funny is that like in number one and number two when randy is still alive they kind of bring up the whole idea of whether or not like he's actually the one who's doing the killings in both films because he seems like a likely suspect but you know you kind of see ultimately that he really isn't at all um yeah yeah and that's what makes him a really like endearing character as well because like you know the entire time especially when he dies that ultimately he was always just an innocent guy you know um and that stuff is really great you know i really um uh also uh another yeah yeah another thing about the first film as well was that i think um yeah i think it's a really perfectly cast film as well the first one yeah yes i think uh you know Campbell, Cox, and Arquette were very, very good in their roles. I couldn't couldn't see anybody else playing them. Mm-hmm. And also, of course, and Lil, Matthew Lillard was great in his role. Yeah, I think yeah, he yeah, was yeah, perfect for that. Yeah, and, yeah, and of yeah. course, and of course, Drew Barrymore at the beginning. Yeah, 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 absolutely. yeah, yeah. She served the purpose really well. Uh, Skeet Ulrich as um, Billy was uh, fantastic as well. He was pretty. He was actually quite creepy. I felt um, in the way he looked, the way he delivered his lines, especially at the end when he like reveals his true nature, okay. and um, yeah, 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 I think it's one that like it's again really nineties in its casting, but they all do a really excellent job. Yeah, I think yeah, ne- uh, <clears throat> the, yeah, the main trio especially just kind of are their characters like they've just molded really well with with each of them, you know, and that's and that's a really really impressive feat. I felt um, you know, yeah, I think that. Um, and I think that in uh, number two, what they did quite well was that they, um, obviously, as we already said, they kind of expanded upon the characters, but they also kind of cleverly poked fun at like sequels as well, especially about sequels having like a higher body count because Scream 2 is a way more violent film than uh, the first one. And it's also got way more deaths in it. Um, you know, one thing that I do prefer about the first one is that like, for the most part, there weren't any like people who were just there to die you know, um, any character that was killed was, like, pretty vitally important. Whereas, um, you know, in Scream 2, there are a few characters that kind of just are there just to get killed, uh, which is kind of a flaw, but I do appreciate the higher body count because, again, it's kind of, they, they, they say it's straight up part of, like, the sequel rules and, you know, changing up who the ghost faces are as well was uh, really clever. The fact that they kind of make you think that it's going to be the boyfriend again, but then it's not. Um, you know, they give you, like, uh, uh, <clears throat> the reporter character, the, the the journalist who's there all the time, and then you find out that she's uh, Debbie Loomis, Billy's mother, the entire time. That was a really, really good surprise, and um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Scream Two works um, really well as a sequel, even though it's not quite as good as the first one. Yeah, I actually prefer to the first one. I think I think it was more interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think in more way. I think it was. I think the characters were better, and I think so. I found the plot to be more intriguing. I think, and I think there was more action in it too. Mm-hmm. That's what I like about the second one. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. It is again. It is a lot more like heightened as well, and they're more, more like set pieces. And Craven does a really great job with all of them. I think that um, I do think that the opening is really, really good. Like the uh, the first scene where uh, <coughs> where uh, <coughs> you have those like the the couple, the two uni students going into the uh, cinema to watch her stab the uh, film version of Scream. Um, I just think that's so wonderfully inspired. You know how it's how it literally opens with characters watching the opening of Scream, but it's the in-universe version, the, the in-universe movie version of what the opening of Scream was like. And it's really, really, like, <clears throat> hilarious, but it's also a really tense set piece on its own, surprisingly. Like, it has a really, like, the, the ending bit, especially when, you know, the ghost face walks up and sits down by uh, Jada Pinkett Smith, who's unaware and thinks it's still her boyfriend and then he just stabs her and she gets up and stands on the like you know scream and stuff it like stands in front of the scream it stands in front of the scream yeah uh, stands in front of the screen and then <laughs> the scream to title card comes on i think that's a really like uh excellent effective opening and it's also kind of a relatable one because like first of all obviously there's been more of a report on like violence and like movie showings especially you know like the aurora shooting and stuff um and also i don't know why but i can't help but think that that would have been like probably the worst movie environment that i could have ever been in because all of the people that are there are in full ghost face costumes they're all making noise being loud some of them are running down like the halls and stuff it would have just been, been really really awful for uh you know me if i was there you know so yeah it, yeah it looked like a terrible screening but it was a really good opening Yes, it certainly is a memorable opening. And, you know, mm-hmm. I like the way that I like the fact that they go and see, uh, as you said, they go to see the stab film, which is a film that is in a film within a film, you know, in a, an in universe film that is actually based on the first screen film. I think that's very clever how they did that. And art lim- and art imitates life because the first screen film, obviously, it was a movie, but it happened, you know, and they're kind of they're then doing the film that they made again. You know, but just as a movie within the within its own world, you know, and um, yeah, 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 and that, and they, yeah, and I think that the rest of the film it holds up well too. I think like you know the university setting creates an interesting change from like the high school setting. Um, you know, you have kind of like you have this whole like interesting background about like you know um, American university culture, and kind of in some ways it's foreshadowing as well because a lot of bad stuff happens in this. Uh, university and it's kind of especially to women in the film as well and you kind of get this um uh whole whole vibe that it's just not it's really no safer than a high school um and yeah i really yeah i i i like how the story develops i think probably my favorite aspect is how they uh you know really like humanize gail's character and basically because she was humanized in the first film and i did really like that but in this one it gives her more of a proper redemption i feel and um that that's what makes that's one of the things that helps it feel like a true sequel because it's taking a character in the first film and really making her grow and change because what happens with gail gail was that like she's still trying to be the same reporter that she was in the first film but it's like once again blowing up in her face and she even gets like really heavily called out on her how, how she is as a person by a dewey and that kind, of, and that's what sets her off to have this sort of realization and to become a better person. 
Yeah, I, I, I do remember that bit where uh, Dewey and her have met up for the first time and she he's giving that speech towards her, especially like, you know, condemning her for like how she wrote him in that book, you know, that she wrote and stuff. Do you remember that bit? Yeah, she, she does show remorse for her actions. You know, she's mm-hmm. trying to become a better person now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's done really, really well. And um, yeah, yeah. And, and on the whole, I just think it has a lot of great uh, set pieces as well. I think it... Um, like even the climax itself um i think manages to be kind of quite inspired in its own way um and have uh you know like and kind of follow up the first film in a manner that's interesting like you know bringing in the mother of billy um you know having basically her be coming back for like revenge and stuff and you know you can even see aspects of like you know the, the, like how, how sometimes like culture victim blames like survivors of terrible events and you know you have this you have this person who's basically coming after a totally innocent woman and trying to kill her and yeah that's uh, on the whole i think that's really really scary you know it, it, it's very effective as a horror uh thing yeah also uh, how did you feel about um because this is this is still a bit of a sticky point for many fans how did you feel about like them killing off randy Randy, uh, yeah, he was an amusing character. I mean, it just, uh, I guess I would prefer it if he had survived, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. He was very knowledgeable and he wasn't, he was funny too. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's maybe he could be, I say it's my favorite character of the second film. Too mm-hmm. bad he, he went, yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah, unfortunately, uh, I, I mean, as far as my favorite goes i'd probably say my favorite is it's either uh cotton who gets an expanded role after we just knew in the first film that he was just the guy who got framed for maureen prescott's murder uh in this one it's like you know he's given much more screen time and more of an arc here and i think he's and he ends up being like you know you do wonder if he's ghostface but at the same time he is kind of sympathetic at the end of the day and he does like get that proper heroes moment that he really deserved and um yeah, I think, yeah, 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 yeah. Him and Derek are probably tied for, you know, being uh, the most, like, my like my favourite of that film. Um, you know, uh, Derek, the boyfriend. I think, yeah, I think he's just really, really likeable at the end of the day. And, you know, it's un- it's really sad that you died because he probably would have been a good um, partner for uh, Sydney. Um, but, yeah, going back to Randy, um, yeah, I agree. I think that that scene is great. Um, I think it's a really intense scene. I think it's a really um, creative scene because it's... Uh, like the entire build up to it, it's purely like during broad daylight, you know, outside. And I like how they like I like what they do with that, how they kind of change it up and have it be not like a phone call in a house, but a phone call on an open sunny day. Um and yeah, then at the end of it, yeah, Randy gets killed. And it's um it is like shocking and quite um quite daring because he was such a popular character. Um I do think that maybe in the third film his absence was kind of felt and the attempt to like bring him back with the videotape felt a little bit forced. Um, but by the fourth film, I think that that had kind of worn off and they even had like some good substitutes for uh, Randy as well. Um, yeah. But anyway, yeah. Uh, number two, I think is, uh, yeah, it's a really, it's a good follow up, and um, you know, it, it did, does set the stage well for the third film, which, um, you know, like by many fans is kind of considered to be the worst of the bunch. Um yeah, I don't know how much I agree with that, but like, but, but what would you say about the third film? Why, why did you think it wasn't as good? Well, it, it has its fair share of good scares and good uh, suspense, but the first time I saw it, I struggled to understand the plot. Mm-hmm. That's just my opinion now. 
I thought mm -hmm. it was, and maybe the pace was a bit too slow. That's just my perspective. Oh, okay. All right, all right. That's that's interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, I would say it's like for me, I can kind of see that because it's actually a much um, uh, crazier film than either of the first two. In in some ways, I I see it. It almost feels more like an action movie than it does a horror movie because like. There's so much chasing in it. There's so much fighting. Uh, there's even like a big house explosion in it as well. And it goes really, really, it put like pushes up the like action chase, fighting, killing quota. Um, and I think that because of that, it isn't really boring, but I do think it's way too, it, it it's, was a sign that Scream was starting to move away from what resembled reality and just become like a big, a big loud movie you know um and you especially see see that with the fact that it basically it takes place like in in hollywood like that's where it's set and you know the film it's a lot more comedic it's a lot more um kind of out there like you, you have things like uh you know like carrie fisher uh, play it like not like not playing herself but playing a fictional character but referencing carrie fisher uh you have or what else do you have? Like, uh, like you have a lot of like, you have a few comedic actors in there. Um, you have way more kills as well, like far more kills than you had in uh, the other two. And um, yeah, and then you have this very like soap opery twist of uh, Sydney having like a secret brother who turns out to basically be the ghost face of the film. Uh, that's kind of a sticking point for me personally. Yeah, as, as you say, you know, it's quite different from the other ones, you know, because it, it's maybe maybe it's a bit too Hollywood, you know. So as you said, it takes place in Hollywood, and it moves out, it moves out from Woodsboro, and that you know, kind of makes it less of a screen movie, if you know what I mean. And you know, it was yeah, filmed yeah. on a, mm -hmm, and as you said, and it was also filmed on a much bigger budget. Mm -hmm. So and it, it shows, and it maybe that it was a bit too much for it. So maybe they did too much with the budget, and it stopped being a quiet screen movie. Maybe. It, Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It was too loud, as you said. Yeah, kind of, I mean, it's partially that. I mean, I mean, even the second one with like the bigger university set, setting kind of still mm -hmm. felt more, it felt a little bit more believable. But in, but in number three, it's, it's taken to like a much bigger extent. Like, again, I, like the way I see it is I kind of see it almost like they kind of wanted, they, they, they were aware of the fact that they were making a final film in a trilogy. So they wanted to make it, you know, the craziest one by far um 
but you know but and and as a result yeah it does sort of it, it does slightly lose like the meta aspect but there are still some like clever parts of it like i really love how they basically address how um the violence of this film had to kind of be toned down in light of the uh, columbine high school massacre um like in the film itself they specifically incorporate that element into it um and and they even incorporate the whole aspect of like rewrites going on with the script because you know one interesting thing about number two and number three is that you know they did and even number four actually is that a lot the script was heavily rewritten throughout filming and i do really like the fact that in number three they straight up address that and incorporate it into the story but um but yeah i think it's um it's uh, yeah i think that its biggest problem is that it is kind of it does feel a lot more forced and a lot, and a lot um you know it kind of it, it has this element of it, it slightly borders on like jumping the shark especially with like you know the secret brother and how the brother kind of influenced the events of the first film you know which was kind of a i i don't think we really needed to like know that at all really you know if we were gonna sydney was gonna have a secret brother i mean he could have just been the villain of this film and not at all influenced the events of the first film. Yeah, so I was surprised at the revelation of the secret brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, as you say, uh, I think uh, yes, I do. Ex- I do agree with you on that. It would have been better, I think, if we, if we were just uh, if we just influenced the events of the third film and not not the not the first one film first film. Yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because because since he's like the secret like other like the secret son of uh, Maureen and Prescott, um, you know, it, it's, it's basically said that he, what he did was that he. Um, let Billy know about like the fact that um, uh, the mother had been uh, cheating on uh, her husband with um, uh, his father. And you basically have this kind of sense that like he was basically the cause of everything that happened afterwards, you know? And I sort of saw what they were going for is they were attempting to kind of make it. And they even bring this up in the film about, you know, bringing back past events and how, the past like reappears and you know and even also trying to conclude the story as well um i i don't know i saw it as just like too ridiculous and too um you know too complicated as well because really all it needed to be was just you know i mean even even in the first place with the brother angle it's like i would have i would have kind of preferred it because one element of scream free that i do think works really well and has actually aged really well is like the kind of negative commentary on hollywood particularly the the backstory that they reveal for Maureen Prescott, that she had basically been gang raped by a bunch of like Hollywood producers, including one that you see in the film, uh, John Milton, um, which is a very apt name. Uh, you see, uh, like you have that element of it and that, and that element has made it age really well, I feel. Um, but the problem is, is that like, that's not really like that's kind of just part of the villain's motivation and i actually think it would have been quite um daring and clever to maybe have i don't know john milton be the uh, ghost face like the one who uh originally raped maureen because i feel like that would have been probably the the kind of the final villain that they were probably wanting roman to be Maybe. it would have been interesting i think i mean i like lance henriksen so uh I don't know. Seeing him as Ghostface, you know, that would have been an interesting twist. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's an interesting, yeah, good point. I mean, it would have been kind of obvious, but you know, you would have just sat there and gone like, "Okay, yeah." I mean, he's he kind of, in some ways, he kind of indirectly influenced the events of the 
first two films you know you like you could have seen that you know the effect that you had on maureen and stuff and what that led to but you know and you still kind of get that with roman but i think that it would have just been it also would have just been a lot more uh like kind of socially relevant as well to have like a movie producer be the ghost face or you know even or even like still have roman be either the second ghost face or the ghost face and like he's still a director but maybe he's like you know I don't know, like, he could have been the son, or he could have just been part of it, maybe, he could have been aged up, whatever the case is, I feel like that would have, there, there, there was a sort, there's just sort of a missed opportunity there, that I think would have been really, um, you know, it would have made it age well, like, I even thought to myself, you know, what if, um, you know, uh, like, whether it was Roman or Milton, whatever it was, he was the director and he gets revealed as Ghostface and he's the entire time he's trying to like frame Sydney and stuff. And he could have had this line where he said like, you know, oh, Sydney, uh, even if you win, you know, they're still going to be talking about me, you know, like morally, maybe my name will get smeared, but art wise, you know, I'll be, I'll still be remembered. I'll still be talked about for decades to come, you know. Um, I think that would have been, uh, quite effective and powerful um but you know but you know uh, despite that i still think that number three has it still has enough good parts to make it still worthwhile um i think the stuff that they do with sydney in the film is really really good um i really like the state that we see her in at the beginning of the film you know that that is isolated yeah 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 i just think it's it's just like super realistic and it's also great that we see her you know still being like a guidance counselor how like you know even though she's shut herself off from the world she still wants to help people and um you know i like i like how um i don't like the fact that gail and dewey are kind of split up once again but i do like how their storyline ends with like you know the marriage proposal and stuff and um, I do like the, uh, what else? I, I like some of the new characters as well that they add, particularly uh, Paul Capozzi is this um, uh, actress who's like playing Gale in the um, in Stab Free. And uh, I, li- I like the sort of like, um, relate the sort of like at first not liking each other, but then slowly over the course of the situation growing to like each other relationship that she has with uh, Gale um i also like the uh what is it i like some of the set pieces too especially the part where uh sydney is like walking into the uh old house yeah or no into the uh set recreation of like um Stu's house in of in in the the events of the first film i thought that that was like a really really good sequence and a great way to kind of revisit the first film so to speak but yeah i mean do, do you have any like favorite moments in uh, number three I thought the beginning was okay again. So mm-hmm. I, just, I think it starts off okay with with the character of Cotton Weary, you know, mm-hmm. getting killed while trying to save his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. I th- thought it was pretty tense. Pretty tense. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think they did that one well. But I think that after mm-hmm. that, it went kind of downhill for me. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of that sequence. Uh, I did like the fact that they were kind of heralding the fact that they were like amping it up by killing a character that had been in all three films. But um the but the sequence itself I do think I do think that's where it's starting to like border on kind of on a bit implausible, especially and I mean I will admit though that um in hindsight the voice changer isn't so unbelievable because nowadays we kind of have that technology to be able to like fake voices and stuff. And I think that like 
it predicted that in hindsight but um you know at the time it was a little bit like it was almost a bit sci-fi you know it wasn't particularly um it wasn't that believable but you know yeah but as a sequence it still still is well directed uh yeah i think i think the number three um although it has problems i think it's also it's still a worthy entry into the series and i do like the way it ends too i think I think it's got quite a good ending. Um, and if they were to leave it there, it would have been a fine conclusion to the series. Uh, do you remember what the final scene was? It was where uh, the character of Arquette proposes to Cox, isn't it? That's mm-hmm. what I remember. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then uh, it's uh, uh, Sydney uh, looking at the open door and then leaving it open, you know, which was kind of a, you know, uh, like... It, it, it was basically her saying it, her like no longer being afraid, you know, and that was, and that was a great uh, final scene. Um, and, you know, it was kind of symbolically leaving the door open for a uh, scream four, which came uh, like over a decade later, you know, a big long gap between films. But um, yeah. What, what did you think of uh, number four? Uh, I liked the number four. I think it was a significant improvement from the third one. It introduced many new characters and, I think it was rather creative with its storytelling. It didn't do as well at the box office. It made under hundred under hundred million dollars, mm-hmm. which was significantly less from the previous three ones. But overall, I think it's a good sequel. I like yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was uh, unfortunate. I think it was what it probably was was like one. It was kind of because um, I think the Scream films at that time had kind of like lost their relevancy and impact which was just kind of unfortunate but you know at that time i don't think they were had they they they, they'd lost their popularity i feel so that's why like people just weren't interested in seeing a revival um could have been also just you know people didn't like number three or something like that so you know but like but you know but despite that i think that um it's a it, it is better than the third one and i think partially what it does is that it does heavily bring scream into the modern era uh, that's something that I really like about it. I like how it um, takes what was again a very '90s series and clearly grounds it in like you know the technology of today, uh, in kind of like in even like the horror film, the, like where the horror genre was at the time. It kind of updates it, and it also um, yeah, it also gives us a villain whose uh, motives are very very um, like timeless as well because you know it's not just about fame, but it's kind of about, it's given this sort of internet quality about it that um, to me makes uh, this ghost face like feel a lot more like a villain that would probably still exist today. Like a person who would kill people just to get internet famous and just to become like famous as, you know, the good guys, the victim, you know? Yes, because the motive of the killer is to, spoiler now, is to become famous, you know, because she's jealous of the fame of the fame that Sydney got through her unfortunate experiences and mm-hmm. I think you know so the in that way what Scream 4 it does it shows the impact of social media in today's world you know how, how everybody wants to be on social media mm-hmm. yeah 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 and um what what I also love about it as well is that I I really like love uh, the Ghostface reveal of that film, um, especially because it's also kind of a commentary on remakes as well. Because it's basically it's somebody it's almost a character that is meant to be just like like th- this film's version of Sydney, like so desperately wanting to be this film's version of Sydney, 
that she straight up is is being this film's version, the, the, like this film's ghost face, in order to become this film's version of Sydney. If that makes any sense, it's like you know, and uh, like character wise, self aware, and it's also just aware of the what can happen sometimes when remakes like try too hard when they try too hard to like either play it too different or when they try really forcefully to just do the same thing. Um, and it's got like that great uh, one-liner at the end where, you know, uh, Sydney, after she seemingly has killed Jill, uh, who is the ghost face of this film, straight up says to her, you know, you've got the first rule about remakes, never F with the original, you know, which is a really great line. Um, and yeah, 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 yeah. I just, I just like that. I like how the entire film is kind of, a pseudo remake of the first film, but you know, kind of, st- it, but still its own thing overall. Yeah, so I think that it's fair to say that the Scream 4 it breathes new life to the series, you know, even if it wasn't very financially successful. You know, I think mm-hmm. it, it became a, I think it's a really good slasher film. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's kind of what, uh, sorry, go ahead. It kind of brought, it brought the film, brought the film into the 21st century. century yeah, definitely. In my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and and what it but but what it also did as well was it kind of again it's interesting that it breathed new life because again it is drawing upon the first film, but I think that by it commentated on horror remakes, but it also which were incredibly popular, and I remember when those those uh, horror remakes were like in full swing, um, but this this one is is very much it's about that even touches upon like you know long running sequels, um, they bring up like where the genre has gone to in the past like 10 years there's even a bit where they're watching Shaun of the Dead as well which almost feels like kind of tip of the hat you know from one somewhat comedic horror series to a comedic horror movie um and yeah I, I and yeah I think even the remake stuff I think is still a bit relevant you know in, in the age of like you know the Disney remakes and stuff it's kind of refreshing to see us like to, to see the remake kind of be so thoroughly you know deconstructed and made fun of and kind of and used in the way that number four does um yeah i yeah i think the number four is um is definitely it's a really clever film uh the the openings as well and i and i specify openings as well that uh, those were very very creative i have to say oh yeah i i, I yes yeah, i think the opening was rather interesting you know it shows uh uh those two, those friends sitting in their home and watching films, and it turns out to be a film within a film sequence. I think that was pretty clever. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, I, it was. I like how. Yeah, yes, I like how they did that. And you're struggling to understand which one is. You're wondering which one is going to be a reality. Then you know, it's it's very. You know, I think it's very clever how they did that. Yeah, and it's funny because you are technically watching a movie, but you know, it's like it's, it's like you're watching a movie. Then it's within a like it's like you're watching a movie. Then it's a movie within a movie. Then it's like then they're watching a movie within a movie within a movie, and and they kind of just mm. multiply it. And it's quite um like you, you do almost wonder if they're gonna at the end of that sequence, um the the third time that they do it, uh if they're gonna then review with just another set of characters watching another sad film, but thankfully it's not. You know, thankfully we then actually get into the real one and. Um, yeah, I yeah yeah it, it was it was a totally new direction to uh, take the scream openings. Um, <clears throat> yeah, really, my like one of my few flaws with uh, number four as well is that I don't really like the way it looks. Um, 
And this, I think, was kind of a problem of like Wes Craven still being back to uh, direct them. I think the, the, the visual look that he took, it's probably it's my least favorite looking of all the films. Why is that? Oh, j- just because the entire film has this like blur filter or, or this kind of softly lit look that um, I kind of found to be quite distracting and very, um, it, I, I don't know, it made the film look a lot cheaper than it was. And I'm wondering if that was just something that Craven was just kind of doing at the time. Uh, I do think he was slightly losing his game a bit as a director, and I think that that might have been a sign. Uh, not that the film is badly directed, but I think that was just a creative choice that you know just didn't work. The 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 visual look that they give it. I found the film to be a bit darker than the rest. Yes, the visual the visual look. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, I agree with that. It's a, it's a bit darker. Yes, but I I think it still works well though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. It's still, um, it's still well scored. It's still, it's still well edited. It moves along at a good pace. Um, it does have uh, some of the best violence of the series as well. Particularly the scene where, like, you know, the girl is getting her like intestines removed or getting like stabbed repeatedly. That was really gnarly. Um, especially, oh, 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 yeah, and the death of one of the cops outside the house who mm. gets his, the knife pushed into his head and he's still he's magically still alive you know that mm. was like really brutal as well i think i think it was it was more effectively violent and you even see that in the ghost face how how uh, jill at the end she's kind of um she's not only way more vicious and competent but also uh, uh, like there, there's just like more violence around her you know she straight up kills rory colkin she um she injures herself in order to make herself seem like a convincing victim yeah it is it is a much more brutal film than the others um and yeah i do like that about it uh, i like what they do with the character the returning characters uh i like how um uh gail is like stuck in this midlife crisis and really attempts to kind of get herself out of it um and yeah i really and yeah uh probably it's one where I think the new characters that they introduce are also uh, quite good too. Yeah, it's like uh, the ones who stand out for me are the two uh, movie fanatics. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Colkin and uh, Robbie, um, or Charlie and Robbie. Uh, yeah, both of them kind of serve well as being the kind of like randies of this um, of this new generation. Yeah, you know, one of them is constantly live streaming. And uh, the other one, and you know, and the other one is kind of more the one who's like explaining the rules and stuff. And they have a lot of great moments. In particular, I think, um, like probably the funniest scene in the film for me, it's 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 in Robbie's uh, death scene, where like they kind of um, uh, they bring up this rule that I think was intentionally intended to be inaccurate. Inaccurate, where they say that the only way to survive a horror film is if you're gay. And then Robbie uh, kind of says like, no, 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 don't kill me, I'm gay. I'm gay. Mm-hmm. And then it made me laugh because Ghostface just gives this like head tilt as if he's just saying like, like, really? Do you really think that's going to work? You know, it's a bit of like subtle humor with Ghostface that I really enjoyed. Um, and it, ga- it gave the death scene an added sort of sense of humor that I really liked. Um, and yeah, I liked him, but probably like as far as like standouts go in terms of like the new characters, I think probably my favorite was like Kirby because uh, she was such a likable character and she was so like she was so fun and so like feisty and stuff. And Hayden Panettiere was like really like she, like she really dug into the role and just like stole scenes in my opinion. She was great, um, and she has that uh, great bit when um, 
uh, Charlie, who's pretending to be like an innocent victim, is tied up in the chair, and the ghost-faced killer is on the phone. He's in a moment that's very similar to the opening of the first film. That ghost face is just like getting her to answer questions, and then she ends up listing off like a whole bunch of horror remakes, you know, just like off the cuff on the spot, and it's a surprisingly like dramatic moment um and it leads to unfortunately her getting stabbed and seemingly killed it was very very sad yes i wasn't expecting that yeah mm-hmm. yes yeah, she, she, she played a likable character and i didn't want her to go but yeah unfortunately it happened no yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah she did <laughs> Yeah, yeah, she did seemingly seemingly uh, get stabbed, and um, yeah, I love that. Um, yeah, I liked how. Yeah, and um, well, so yeah. Uh, finally, I quite enjoyed um, how. Uh, what is it? How? How? Uh, what is it like? I I, li- I liked how they were self aware as well about the whole the extended ending too, because you've got the house and then it goes to the hospital, and I like how they kind of literally bring up the fact that it should have ended in the house but it keeps on going to the hospital in fact i think that the um the entire hospital sequence was like an addition like it was originally i think supposed to end at the house but the hospital bit was added on as like a more clear ending um and i think that works a bit better because the film was originally gonna have a cliffhanger ending but they decided to give it a bit more of a uh resolution even though i do think the film ends a bit abruptly um like the killer is defeated and then there's just not an epilogue you know and that kind of end you know i miss that i would have liked it if there was an epilogue of some kind but um yeah but even then you know i still i mean i get it you know it's like there there probably wasn't a lot extra to like wrap up in a sense i mean how how do you feel do you think it ended fine yes as you say the the film was a bit extended but it was fun nevertheless it's good to Mm -hmm. see uh Sydney, of course, do what she does. Do what she, it's good to see Sydney do what she does best, get rid of the mm-hmm. killer. Mm-hmm. And yes, I need to say this: it ends, it ends, it ends a bit suddenly, but mm-hmm. it's okay. It doesn't still works well, I think. Yeah, I mean, well, the way I see it, I, I think it would have been a bit more unsatisfying if that was definitely the final Scream film. Um, although, then again, even then, uh, although it's called Scream Four, I almost view it less as a as a fourth film and more as like a reunion film um you know you could have called it like scream 11 years later or i don't know as uh, i don't know a uh, scream the reunion or something like that you know because that's kind of what i more see it as um like it, it does continue the story technically but it is also there is a standalone quality to number four that um I think it was kind of it was a bit deliberate, um, but yeah, it was it was great to see the actors return to their roles, um, uh, and it was also good to kind of see because it's Wes Craven's it was Wes Craven's last film as well before he died, and uh, it was great to see him like come back to that series one more time and maybe give it like a better entry to the like a better final entry for him um than you know the, the than how number three would have been and yeah I, yeah i think he did he did quite well on his uh final one you know as we said it's actually it's actually widely considered to be a better film than the third one and that's definitely a plus yeah if, if you fancy generally if you fancy a nice slasher film yeah i recommend scream four definitely Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 and the other ones as well. Um, yeah. So, but anyway, so um, yeah, I think um, yeah, I think the new one looks really good. Uh, I think that they 
I, I do like the uh, the new blood that they're adding with like you know the different directors. Uh, the the guys who are making it, uh, Radio Silence, they did um, uh, like they like they've done some anthologies, but the last one that they did was uh, Ready or Not, which was a really really good, really fun uh, horror comedy, and uh, that seems perfect for Scream. Um, I really like how uh, what they, what it looks like they're doing is that they're kind of like even further emphasize, you know, even further emphasizing, like, you know, the middle age that the characters are clearly in. Like we see, we know that Sydney's a mother now. And um, yeah, I, li- I like the different look that it has. It looks a bit more, because the first three films do look quite glossy. Um, and this one kind of doesn't, this one looks a bit more gritty. And that's something that I appreciate. Um, yeah. From what, from what I've seen in the trailers, it seems like what they're going to do is they're going to have, like hopefully a fairly clever inspired story um yeah i'm looking forward to it i even have a couple of predictions about it i mean what what would you think based on the advertising that you've seen well it'll be new directors new writers so i guess it's going to be something different from where it seems also we have in some of the new the same actors of course cox mm-hmm. Ar- arquette and campbell so mm-hmm. guess we'll see how it goes but I, I have i have high expectations for it i think it's yeah going to be good yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the marketing has been quite good. I think all the posters yeah. have been really good. I really love the uh, the poster that straight up has the tagline uh, "The killer is on the poster." You know, I I I laughed when I saw that because that was such a good good uh, tagline. Um, <clears throat> when it's like showing all the characters and it says "The killer is on this poster," that's so funny. Um, mm. I also yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that stuff. And I kind of just yeah. I, and I've got I've got a couple of predictions for it. Uh, my so first of all, I think that they're probably gonna they might kill off one of the main trio, and I'm betting it's gonna be Dewey. Mm, could could be. We'll see. Yeah, I'm only saying that just based on the fact that um, that like there seems to be quite a few like or a few scenes of uh, Sydney and Gale on their own, and I'm just wondering, you know, like I mean, maybe Dewey's in the hospital. Uh, maybe he's just not there currently in that moment, but it could be that, you know, maybe uh, maybe he does die like halfway through or something like that, um, <clears throat> which would be very, very sad if they, you know, if they do that. Um, and uh, yeah, I've got I've got another prediction as well. Like what I think um, this new film is going to do. I, I have a prediction not of who the ghost face is going to be, but what their motive is. Okay. what What is that? So my prediction is that basically I'm getting the sense that this one will also be kind of about like, you know, toxic movie fandom. So I'm, what I'm thinking is that maybe the motive will be that um, it'll be one or more people who are bothered by the notion of uh, other people taking the place of the original three or just Sydney in terms of popularity and fame, uh, specifically like people who are related to them and other characters in some way. Because yeah, because I think what they kind of highlight is that like some of the people who are dying are relatives of the original um, characters, or no, no, well, we're not actually not relatives of the original characters, but like I think maybe relatives of the original like killers. I I, I think I don't I don't know. I could be wrong on that. I could be totally wrong. But I saw a trailer that said like they're killing relatives of people or something, and um, they and what I'm wondering, and especially if they're targeting like you know the new cast, even people who aren't related. It could be that what they want to do is they want to kind of preserve the legacy of Sydney or the original trio by basically just killing uh, everybody else. You know, anybody who could potentially, you know, usurp them in terms of like 
fame and popularity, I think. Yeah, I think that, that, that that's probably what they might do, but I could be 100% wrong on that. Yes, yeah, that's interesting predictions you have there, so... I guess we'll wait to see. Maybe, who knows, maybe we'll have more than two killers this time. Might, mm-hmm. might surprise us. Yeah, I would love that <laughs> if it turned out to be three or four or even an entire group. Um, you know, because again, for the most part, like one of the interesting things about the Scream series is that it has somewhat, although it was making fun of horror formula, it does somewhat have a formula itself as a franchise. You know, it kind of just, um, it kind of, it, like there's there, there there's something that happens in every single film and this one will probably repeat things but hopefully they also suffer other things as well um yeah i think yeah so so it's so kind of round it off um just looking back at all the films um who would you say is uh your favorite ghost face my favorite ghost fist oh i'd say it's uh matthew lillard mm-hmm. i think it's due to his performance i think mm-hmm. you know when it's revealed that it is him i think he comes across you know rather convincingly as a got over-the-top psychopath in my mm-hmm. opinion yeah definitely yeah 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 yeah. And, yeah and he's also uh, really funny as well especially oh in that scene with like between him and uh, randy in the uh, video store in the first two that, 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 that is such a like hilarious um but also intense scene as well like the one where like they're both basically because the entire time like they're basically both like talking about the fact that <laughs> billy could be the killer and um yeah that uh, yeah all, all the films benefit heavily from uh re-watching them once you know who the killer is because once you know you can pick up on all these different hints and clever things especially in Stu's case because you actually realize that Stu is kind of defending basically his partner in crime you know and that's great um yeah, but, so for me, uh, my favorite across all of them, it's probably a tie between uh, the two in the first film and uh, Jill in the uh, fourth film. I think they're both um, <clears throat> probably tied for the best ones in my mind. Um, yeah, what about like, yeah, and and um, oh, what else? Uh, oh yeah, and yeah, and also just to round it off as well. Um, yeah, I really like how. Like, you can also see in each of the films that there's also, like, a different life stage that's being covered, and it's kind of an underrated aspect of the franchise, but um, I really love how uh, the first one basically is about teenhood, the second one is about young adulthood, and then uh, third one is about adulthood, and then uh, four is the beginning of middle age, and it looks like number five is going to be straight up in middle age as well. I mean, can you kind of see that, how it's like especially if you think about the aging of the actors that they keep in all the films, you know, like you, like you can kind of see how there is a different like stage of life being covered. Yes, I can definitely see that particularly, particularly with the character of Sidney Prescott, you know, first he's a high school, high school student, students and sees is she's at university. Then she kind of has a career. Then she's kind of, as you said, maybe going through midlife yeah i got definitely see that in the films mm-hmm. yeah absolutely yeah 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 uh, yeah i i i sydney's definitely um yeah yeah i think she's like top tier final girl well i love her and uh yeah i think i think uh, nev campbell is just awesome across all, all four of these films i just think i just think she brings such a like a, like awesome toughness and but also just total sympathy you know and that's like totally great for a um <clears throat> for like a female protagonist it's just like it, 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 like she, she's just great across all of them and um 
yeah, yeah, yeah. She also has a one like a lot of like cool one-liners at the end of each of the films. Uh, what, uh, what, what would you say? I guess as a final question, what would you say was like your favorite one? My favorite scream quote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quote or even specifically line that she said. Uh, I'd say maybe in the first one when after the the two bad guys have been defeated and the character of of Jamie Kennedy Randy he says you know they're Sydney and um, Gail are standing above the dead apparently dead body of one of the killers and mm-hmm. the Randy character says this is a part where the the killer comes comes back to life for one final scare and then he does so and they shoot him in the head that's my favorite quote i guess there's a was where he says about the this part where the killer comes back to life from to life from one final scare yeah well sydney responds by like she does that and then she says this ain't that kind of movie you know which which i love uh it's it's great final line for the film to go out on Uh, yes i forgot about that should have said that too thank you yeah 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 yeah, yeah. across all of them uh you know uh a a great one in number two where she says you know thing thing you forgot about billy loomis is that i effing killed him um uh the remake one obviously at the end of number four but for me weirdly my favorite one is probably it's probably the bit where uh, roman is in the third film is all like explaining his backstory and stuff. And then at the end of it, she just like yells at him and she's like, you know, God, why don't you stop this whining? I've heard all this stuff before. Do you know why you kill people Roman? Because you choose to, there is no other reason. Why don't you take some responsibility? And then, and I, I just, I just love that like speech that she gives. Cause it's just, it's just like, she's just so fed up of the excuses and she's just like, you know, you're all just evil, you know, like that, that's all there is to it. And I just love that. It has a, and has a great, um, yeah. It also definitely has one of the best uh, FUs on film. Like, if you want to see a great FU said by her, then she says it as like he runs at her, and then she whacks him in the head. It's always I like I have to admit, like the climax of Scream Three, even though it's a bit marred by some of the the, the convoluted nature of the reveal. Honestly, it's still it's kind of worth it just for that speech and that final fight that occurs. I do think it's really good. Yeah. She also has one other line where she like tricks him with a bulletproof vest and she says, like, I guess we think of alike as well. Uh yeah, 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 yeah. I just love it. Yeah, yeah. She's she's just awesome. Um yeah, so anyway, yeah, I would yeah, I would, I'd round that out. Um I'd probably say, um, yeah, I'd heavily recommend this series. Um, I think it's a very it will kind of depend on like what your tastes in horror and humor are, but I think that like if you're at all convinced by anything that you've heard or anything that you've seen of the films, then you should just go it, like, like give them all the shot, honestly, because I think they're all worth watching in their own way. Yeah, yes, I, re- I definitely recommend all the screen films. You know, a lot of suspense. You know, the, the lot of, a lot of tension, especially when the killer taunts, taunts her victims. You know, it's a really original series. I think, yeah, def- mm-hmm. you should definitely view it if you haven't already. Mm-hmm. yeah 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 and again uh looking forward to the new one i want to see what they'll do but uh yeah otherwise we'll just wait and see but yeah so uh that's it from uh me robert state uh that's it from me jason knight thank you very much mm-hmm. yeah i uh, hope you had fun listening
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.